Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to see you all. I am so grateful to be here before you this morning to delve into God's Word. Um, there's always something beautiful for us as we open up the Word of the Lord. And so we will be in John 15 today. Um, and I want to talk about us being the branches this morning. We are the branches. And uh, we find ourselves between series at the moment. We're about to uh, creep towards Advent, and we just finished the series on Revelation, which was amazing. Um, but this is a passage that's been close to my heart for a number of years as I've walked with the Lord. So I'm excited to share a little bit from it. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Sharon Swift, and I'm the pastor of Connections and Equipping here at New Life on the Community Life Team. And if I haven't met you before, I would love to meet you in the lobby after service. You can find me there to greet you. Um, but let's dive into the text. Let's go for it. We are in John 15, and I have the scripture for you, but feel free to flip there as well in your own Bibles. We'll be reading verses 1 through 8 this morning. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word and for the fact that you are the true vine and that, God, you are the gardener. Lord, help us to understand what it means to be the branches, to be connected to remain, to be pruned. And Lord, help us to take hold of what it is that you have for us, the good things that you have, the promises that you keep for us. Help us to trust you and to grow into that trust more and more. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. 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 And so there are a lot of things I can say about this passage. It's something I've spent a lot of time um, meditating on in my Christian walk. But I want to talk today about us being the branches and about this dynamic of pruning and remaining. Um, sometimes in some translations you see that written as abiding, right? So some of you have been in church a long time. You might think of the word to abide and abiding in Christ. But we'll use this uh, term in, the, in this translation, pruning and remaining. And this dynamic of these two activities that Jesus is saying in the life of a plant, there are these two things that are happening, pruning and remaining. And that also in the spiritual life as Christians, there are two dynamics at work, just like these plants, that there is the dynamic of being pruned and the dynamic of remaining. 
And so we're going to talk about both because, honestly, I mean, I grew up a city kid. These were really foreign concepts to me as an early Christian. When I became a Christian as a teenager, I really didn't understand what some of these terms meant and what, why these were important for us to think about in the spiritual life. And so, I, like I said, I grew up in the Bronx, um, a lot, around a lot of concrete and around a lot of apartment buildings. And then at around 10 years old, we moved to the suburbs, to Rockland County. And I don't know how many of you grew up in the city, but to me in those days, that was like way upstate. I mean, it was like way, way up there, far away. Um, and it was such a different place. I was not prepared for how different life in the suburbs was. I remember the first time I saw a chipmunk that was not a cartoon character. <laughs> I was very surprised, like, oh my gosh, they're real, and they do run around and scamper around. I'm like, I could see, I could see that now. Um, the, those were the things that surprised me about life in the suburbs. And another thing that surprised me was life around plants and like caring for plants. Uh, my parents had a little kind of front garden, and eventually, over time, they grew vegetables in the backyard. And I saw this whole other side to my parents. Because in the Bronx, there was no place for us. We had an apartment, no place for them to grow anything. And they had grown up in India. So they had this whole other set of knowledge that I didn't even know about, about tending to plants. And so they planted some shrubs in the front yard. They picked a few that were flowering. And then they also picked one that had these like yellow leaves. And they were green in the center like this. Um, it was a little round shrub. And it was very pretty. Um, and my job as the 10-year-old was to water them. Uh, and so every day I had to go out with the hose and water these plants. And I started to water them, and, uh, and they, started, they didn't really seem to grow that much. This plant in particular would just put out these, this one branch. Just this one branch out of this nice little mound would stick up, and it just got taller and taller. And so I like to call it the wonky branch, you know? It was just this one wonky, out-of-place branch stretching up to the heavens. Now, I didn't know what else to do. I was just watering, and I was like, well, it's growing, right? And any growth is good, right? I must be doing something right. Um, but my aunt came from India, and when she came, she you know, had a little more time with me in the garden, and she saw this, and she said, oh, well, this needs to be pruned. And she went straight away and snipped off that branch, and I was horrified. I was horrified because I was like, nothing is growing on this plant. And you just cut away weeks of growth. It's like the one thing I've accomplished with these plants. I was so horrified. But she had done it so fast without even thinking and, and didn't even pay me any mind because I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I was shocked and horrified. But what surprised me the most, and it seemed like magic, was that within a few days, this bush started growing in all new directions. All of a sudden, there was all this new growth, and it started to grow in a nice, round shape instead of this one weird, wonky branch. And so I was, it seemed like magic to me, but that's the power of pruning. That is what pruning does. You know, we think, like, what could be more natural than a plant growing? You know, in the Bronx, I literally thought, you just give it sunshine and, and water, and you stick the seed in the ground, and it grows, and it's all good. But the reality is, you cut back a plant in order to spur good growth. You have to cut it back, even good growth back, so that it'll grow properly. It'll grow evenly. It'll grow the way it's meant to. And so it feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? It's like, why would I give up something in order to move, 
to gain something more. It just seems backward, like I'm going to cut off all the good growth in order to gain more growth. But that's the reality is that when you do this, the plant begins to react differently. In response to that pruning, it starts to grow in multiple directions. And it actually stimulates growth in the areas that need it the most. That's the power of pruning. But at the time, when we see this happening, it can just seem like frustration or wasted effort, doesn't it? I sat there and I looked at this plant and I thought, I spent weeks watering this thing and in a moment she just took away everything that i had accomplished it seemed like a setback and instead it was something very very good for this plant and it actually brought it to where it was meant to be and see this is the thing about a life in god is that sometimes god is going to invite us to let something go he's going to ask us to release something he's going to ask us to reprioritize things and it's going to feel like a setback. It's going to feel like frustration. It's going to feel like we are letting go of something good. And in fact, it might be something good that God is asking you to release. See, sometimes you have to cut back what looks like healthy growth. That wonky branch looked good. But the reality was that keeping it there was holding back the plant from what it could fully accomplish. And now, before I keep going into how this applies to our spiritual life, I want to offer a very careful caution here. Not every loss in our life is pruning. That is very important to know. Not every loss is a pruning, is a pruning from God. There are other factors, just like in a plant, right? There are other things, other forces that affect the life and health of a plant, not just the gardener, right? Storms come, um, pests come. There are things that happen in the life of a plant that are not always the gardener pruning, right? And that's the same in our spiritual life. Not every loss is God pruning something from you. There are forces in this world, because it is a broken world right now, that sometimes make us lose things. And this is also not an arbitrary sort of thing. This is not an invitation to say, oh, I want God to move. I want to grow. I'm going to just start cutting things out of my life. Okay, that's not it. That's not it. And I, honestly, I've been in some places where that's almost been the, the case. It's like, well, I'm going to choose to give this up for God, but God hasn't actually invited that. God hasn't said, oh, you need to give this up to grow. This is actually very specific. When we look at verse 3, verse 3 is actually saying that uh, Jesus is actually saying that they've been cleansed. The disciples have already been cleansed by the word spoken to them. And that word cleansing, it, this gives us a lot of clarity about what pruning is really like. Because cleansing, they call pruning a form of cleaning the plant. They consider it like that because it's preventative. There's a, there's a part of it that's preventative. It prevents um, disease from forming. It allows sunlight and air to permeate the plant. It keeps branches from rubbing against each other and trapping moisture and rot. And so it helps to keep the plant clean and growing. And so he's saying that the, his word, Jesus' word, has already cleaned them. And so he's saying that his word, his word, scripture, is what actually cleanses them and actually prunes them. And so this is not, again, this is not just arbitrarily uh, giving things up. But this is allowing the word of God and the words of Jesus to discern us and to lead us and to guide us towards what the invitations of God are. 
This is about God's word discerning us and putting us in the right direction and keeping us in that right direction. And so this is the kind of thing that, this is the kind of pruning that we're talking about, that it invites us to release things or let things go or recognize that God may take things from us in order to guide us in the right direction and to let us hold on to something that is true and good and eternal. And so what does this look like? Okay, that sounds great, but what does that even look like? Well, one of the first times I experienced this was when I was in college. I was a very new Christian when I was applying to college. I became a Christian in my senior year. Actually, tomorrow is 25 years since I've accepted Christ. So <laughs> it's been quite a journey. Um, and, so, and so, you know, I didn't understand about inviting God into these major life decisions. I was so new. And, uh, you know, so I just went by what I have heard about what's wise to do. I written a list of like, these are the best schools, and these are the schools that I have a shot of getting into, and you're supposed to kind of um, prioritize this kind of an education, and all this sort of stuff. I was just following what I had been told was best from the advice of others. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like it was bad advice. But I had never thought about inviting God into that process, or thinking that God's word might give me insight on how to apply that knowledge and that insight. And so I just picked a school based on what I could get, financial aid, and you know what kind of had the most prestige. And I picked a major kind of based on like what I was good at and you know was kind of you know interesting to me. And uh, and I, I that's what I did. And I was a mathematics student, and it was great. But I started to realize as I matured in Christ that there was there was more than just what's good. That there was actually also this idea that God had, was leading me in a direction and guiding me and that there was um, a way that he wanted me to go. And as I began to pray and discern and read his word and uh, discuss it with other people of faith, I began to realize this was not the direction that God had for my life. And here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with mathematics. It was a great major. And, you know, I know God calls people to do, to study that, obviously. Like, we need mathematicians in the world. Um, but I knew that God hadn't called me to that work. And it was a tough, it was a tough call. Uh, my advisor was shocked. She said, you know how few women are in mathematics? Like, why would you give this up? And, uh, and it was hard for me to explain, but I just knew, even though it was a good thing, that God had not called me there. And I had to let go of it in order to figure out what God actually was inviting me to, what he was drawing me towards. I had to let that go in order to find that way. And so some of you know that feeling. You know, we just came out of a, a really profound series in Revelation. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. It was really a very well-done series, and a lot of challenges were presented from the words that Jesus had to the seven churches in Revelation. And I know I've had conversations with many of you where you have felt the pull and the conviction and the draw of God to go in a new direction, to release some things and to surrender some things so that you could pick up something that God is drawing you to. Think back to that. And if you weren't here for that sermon series, think back to a time you were reading God's word. And you felt drawn. You realized that 
there was something that God was leading you towards or drawing you away from or inviting you to let go. Or maybe he was even reframing a loss that you had and saying, I, I, I need you to step away from that. I needed, you to, I needed to take that from you at this time. Have you made steps in those directions? Have you been able to respond to that invitation of the Holy Spirit? Have you been able to have times of, of study in the, in the word of God where you felt compelled to move in a direction or maybe stay the course? in something that's difficult or hard to understand. See, this is the kind of pruning that God is inviting us to, that we would release something and let go of something, even potentially something that is good on the surface, that is fine, that other Christians might be called to do, but he's asking you to let it go so that you can grab onto something truly good for your life, something that is unique to you, something that you can't even imagine yet. That's the challenge of this word. That you would lose maybe something that seems so significant and important and valuable now, but for a bigger payoff later. And just trusting God that that next thing is coming. And so here's another way of understanding it. If plants are not your thing, we are in New York. And I am sure that this next example resonates, even if you don't ride the subway very much. Have you ever gone in the subway to get somewhere and you see this sign? Service changes. This is the sign of dread of every New Yorker that has ridden a subway. I mean, when you get in there, I mean, the first thing you're looking is like, oh my gosh, is it my subway line? And then what's the fine print on the timing? Is this like, is it now? Is it later? You know, you get on that platform and it looks empty and you suddenly realize, oh, we're the, the three people that didn't read the sign on the way in. And so you know when you see this, that whatever, wherever point B was, it's going to take you way longer to get there. I mean, we've all done it, right? The shuttle buses, the go uptown to go back downtown, I mean, all of it. We've seen it. Now, why do we put up with this? Be in theory, anyway, because we believe that whatever is happening, whatever track maintenance is happening, it's either going to help the trains to continue running or maybe even make them better. That, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a lot of faith, I know, I know. But that's the idea, right? It's like, in theory, we need to have trust that this is what the MTA is going for. Um, now, listen, I can't make promises for the MTA. I, I, you know, it's a mystery to me, but I can make some promises for God because God makes them himself. God is the one that's saying, like, when I reroute you, it is because I have something good in mind. I have something good in mind, but I need you to trust me, and I need you to believe that my goodness is there. And this is so important in our discipleship, and our formation. Why? Because so many times when I meet with congregants, this is the question that gets asked. If God is good and God loves me, then why won't he let me have this thing that I want that's good, you know? Why won't he let me have it? This doesn't seem that bad. Why would he ask me to give up something if he's so good and he loves me? If he loves me, he should let me have what I want. And this is the challenge of the Christian life is that it doesn't work like that. The reality is God has a rich and fulfilling and deeply satisfying life for you that he's inviting you into. 
He is offering you himself and a life of purpose and meaning, that life of purpose and meaning that you've been seeking that satisfies your core longings. But the path there is not going to look like what you think it is. That path there is going to be a mystery sometimes. And the invitation is to trust that he has that good thing and to trust him enough to release those things and follow him. And believe that he is guiding you towards that good thing. That life that you were actually created for. That he literally created you to live. That he has that for you. And that that path might be hard for you to see. Think about the gardener, right? When the gardener is pruning or working on a plant, the gardener can walk all the way around, can, can crawl around, can view the plant from all different directions and make choices about what is going to be best for its growth and anticipate problems. And so we are in the hands of the master gardener. He is looking at your life, and he is making choices not to frustrate you, not to make you upset or deny you something good, but in fact to set you up for something beautiful, something that you can't even imagine for yourself because you can't see it yet. That's the invitation here. And so there's a place for, you know, getting, uh, reading books, following experts on social media, hearing what they have to say. All of that is good. There's a place for that. But there is a very important place for the word of God. That scripture is what helps us discern the wisdom that the world offers. To know when this advice is for me and when this is something that God is leading me in a different direction. And so this is the importance, this is the invitation of pruning, that we are created for this life, and this is actually the way we find that life, that life that satisfies those core longings, that actually allows us to discover who we were really created to be and to live that life, and not just the lives and the templates we see before us. It's a path to our true self to our unique self created in the image of God. And so that's the question. Do we have a life in scripture out of which we live, out of which God is speaking, out of which God is pruning and guiding us and helping us to stay the course? And speaking of stay the course, there's this other dynamic, right? Remaining, abiding. This is the other dynamic that we're finding in this passage. And this is counterintuitive and countercultural. Pruning is countercultural because, you know, the world is telling us all growth is good, right? More is always better. Faster is always better, too. And remaining and abiding is actually saying slower and staying is better, not the massive amounts of change that we are constantly facing in modern life. You know, if we're living this modern life, oftentimes we are constantly changing, We have job changes that change way more frequently than ever. And it's necessary for many careers to be changing and to constantly be moving between companies in order to become an even more desirable candidate um, or to advance your career. There are times where we have to change uh, apartments, you know? Sometimes it's really hard now to find an apartment you can get into and stay in and afford to stay in. Sometimes it's even hard to stay in a neighborhood when you have to change apartments because you find yourself priced out or you can't find something that fits your family. 
There is so many different kinds of changes that happen in our lives. We, you know, change social media accounts, we change handles, we change our look, we change our diets. We are constantly being bombarded with invitations to change, to update, to do it better, to do it faster, to be more efficient, to make more money in the same time. There are all these changes. And let me tell you, not all of them are bad. This is not necessarily a critique on modern life and change. But what I do want to say and caution you is this. The spiritual life is not meant for that kind of rapid change. It's not meant for this kind of constant movement. In fact, the invitation is to remain and to abide and to stay. And it's an invitation to slowness, that this work over time happens, over years, not instantly, and there aren't shortcuts to it. There will be times where you have profound and and amazing spiritual growth breakthrough that happens in moments, but generally, the spiritual life is a slow and long walk. And so this is the important thing, that we don't want that constant change of our daily lives to dictate how we live our spiritual life. Because here it is, you have to, as a plant, as a branch, you have to remain connected to the vine. You have to stay there and be and rely on the vine for your source so that you can do what you were created to do. Now, think about when you've gone outside the last few weeks here in New York. Have you noticed the trees? How amazing they are, how magnificent they look. And now we're getting to the time where the leaves are falling and the trees are starting to look bare, right? It's been windy some of these days. It'll be windy again today. And the leaves are falling. And here's the thing. If you look at the trees now and you, and you see them, if you didn't know about spring, you would think they were dead, right? You would think, that's it. There's no, no life left in these trees. They're dead. But you know about spring. You know that the roots and the tree trunk are still alive, and that actually there's work happening that we can't see under the surface of those branches and in the roots. Those trees are not dead, and you know that you'll see the evidence of that come spring, right? And so that's the same thing with the spiritual life. Christ is saying, you know, he's of course talking about a grapevine here because that's what they saw in uh, first century uh, Israel. But think about a tree. You see those tree trunks and those roots going in, and you know that that tree is still alive. As long as that trunk and those roots are still there and alive, that tree is still alive. That tree still has the potential to come back, and come back actually more wonderful than ever each spring. And you, in your spiritual walk, are just like that. You are alive in Christ. When you are connected to Christ, You have that power flowing in you. He is your source. He will give you everything you need to thrive and prosper and live a dynamic life for God. It may not look like you might think it will, but it is a powerful thing to be connected to Jesus in this way. It means that even when life has worn you down to just a nub or a stub of a branch, that power of Jesus that conquered death is in you. It's not like another tree where the roots could die or the trunk could die. Jesus has conquered death. So that means when you're connected to Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. 
That resurrection power, that power to conquer death, that power to come back in spite of every obstacle is in you. You have access to that power. You will not die, but in fact, you will live. Amen? God has that life for you. Amen. He has that for you that even when you feel worn down and you have no life left in you to give and people are looking at you and saying, I don't even know if you're dead or alive, God is saying in Christ, the power to live is still there. This is not the end and resurrection is possible. That is what it means to be connected and to remain and so this is a slow work. There are going to be times when you feel cut back and at a loss and yet God is saying, if you are connected to me, life is still possible. It is not over, and there is more for you. This is the pattern of the spiritual life, and sometimes people think that they've done something wrong when they experience times of pruning, and they don't feel alive in Christ in the way they did when they first came to him. But this is that dynamic of the spiritual life. That there are seasons where we grow exponentially. We have moments where we're stretching out. We're growing in every direction and feel we've never felt more alive. And then there are times of pruning and times of loss where we're cut back and things are taken or we have to surrender certain things. And yet we know that if we remain and we abide and we rest in him and we allow him to be our source, that life will come and life anew will come. He will come to us yet again. This is the spiritual life that even the worst setback will not be the death of you. But in fact, it can be the opportunity for new growth and new life. And so I want to close with this illustration because I want to explain, like, why why this? Why do this kind of life? Why, Why pursue this? It's because Jesus is inviting us to show that we are his disciples. That's how he ends in verse eight, that to be fruitful is to show that we are his disciples. And what does that mean? What, why, why follow if this is the path? Um, I have actually gotten into gardening uh, in the last, uh, I don't know, I guess almost 15 years now. Um, I have had the opportunity to have a garden and I have found myself really captivated and I actually find I always encounter the Lord there, the Spirit is always speaking to me through the garden. Well, when I first started, I had these, these big ambitions, okay? Um, I wanted to get this, I needed a tree for the front yard, and I wanted this, something really cool and different than what the other neighbors, I'm a seven, okay? So I wanted something really different and really, you know, unique in the yard and kind of like so different than everything else that everyone was doing. And, um, and so I thought that'd be fun, and, but I didn't have the money to buy like a grown tree, okay? Uh, I just didn't have the budget for that. I probably still don't have the budget for that. But, um, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna find a, another alternative. So I went online and I bought a, a tree on the internet, okay? Gotta be careful when you buy things on the internet, right? So I thought, okay, it said it was a bare root tree. And that's why it was less expensive because it's gonna take longer to grow, but it's this really, it was this cool tree called a weeping redbud. And I was like, okay, I saw the pictures of what it looked like, it looked great. So it comes in the mail and this is what comes in the mail. (laughs) 
Now, for those of you who can't see, it's basically a twig, okay? It's basically a twig. It came about, you know, two to three feet tall, and it's literally just a very tiny stick, thin stick with a couple branches coming off it. And even the bottom of it, right, it's just the loose roots with no dirt on it. I mean, it literally came like that. And so I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? But I was determined, I was like, no, 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 this says it will grow and it'll be this kind of tree. So I planted in the middle of my front yard. Now let me tell you, my neighbors came over. <laughs> and they were like, what are you doing? You know, neighbor, hey neighbor, what are you doing? Um, and I was like, no, 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 it's gonna be this tree. It's this, it's this special tree and they were like, Hey, that's great, that's great. It started getting to the point where neighbors were telling other neighbors, so then they'd pull up in front of the house. I am not exaggerating. And they'd be like, we heard you planted a stick in your yard. And we, we were like, no, she loves to garden. There's no way, you're exaggerating. They're like, it's actually a stick. And they were literally laughing in my face. Uh, I'm not exaggerating, and honestly, I guess I really can't blame them. This is like, this takes a bit of faith, doesn't it? Um, and so, um, but and I started to question myself. There were moments of doubt, but I started watering this thing. I started fertilizing it. I, you know, and it's supposed to bloom every spring. It's supposed to have these beautiful heart-shaped leaves that uh, change color over the seasons, and it's supposed to have this really beautiful weeping shape. And so, you know, the first year or two go by, I mean, it's rough, you know, like I can show you another picture. It started to put out a few branches. This is it here. A couple of little, little branches. It's cute. It's cute. It's a nice little, you know, the neighbors were like, okay, that's something, you know, like it's not a twig anymore. Um, but it still wasn't blossoming. And, you know, I kept trying to figure out what do I do? What am I doing wrong? But it turned out I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just a long process. And so about year three, this is what I start to see in the spring. So the buds come out like this, and they're kind of uh, red, and then when they blossom, they actually are more of a lavender color. It's hard to tell. It looks a little pink there, but they're more of a lavender color. And so this is what it looked like every spring. And, you know, the first year there were just a handful of flowers, but now it's like covered in these blossoms every spring. And now this is what it looks like each season. As we go from season to season, it starts with these flowers, and then we start to see new growth comes out, these heart-shaped leaves that are dark red and shiny. They turn green over the summer and the fall. They turn golden yellow. And then in the winter, it has this beautiful shape. It's just kind of like this almost sculptural look. And uh, it's a beautiful tree. It's well established. The trunk is like this now, nice and thick and sturdy. Um, you couldn't shake that tree if you wanted. And that's the thing. This is the invitation of the spiritual life. This is the reason I'm, I think Jesus is bringing up this whole concept for us. And sometimes we miss it as city folk. That there's a beautiful, rich, satisfying life that Jesus is inviting you into. That he is offering you something that no one else can offer you that all the wisdom of the world couldn't guide you into. He is offering that to us, an amazing life from the creator himself, the life that you were meant to live, that you were designed for. And he's inviting us into that, and that process, it can be long, and it can be slow at times, and it can involve some pain and some challenges. Things are pruned away, but we are in the hands of the master gardener. And we are connected 
to Jesus as our true vine. And so that life is awaiting us, even in the moments of great difficulty and challenge. And just like Psalm 1, we'll be like this tree, which every season it prospers. In every season it offers its beauty and its gifts to the world. That in every moment it begins to offer to the world a vision of the kingdom of God. And that is what you and I are called to. And so that's the invitation before us today. Are you willing to follow Jesus into that? Are you willing to trust him with your life and even those hard decisions, to follow him, to serve, to do those things that even seem risky at times, to let go of things that are good so that he can give you something that you were really meant for? This is the invitation of the Christian life. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness because, Lord, sometimes it takes so much trust to follow. And, Lord, sometimes it is challenging to let go of things and to surrender them to your care, to surrender ourselves to your care, Lord. And yet we know that you are good and that you are worthy of our trust. And that when we are connected to you, Jesus, we will have everything we need to prosper and thrive. And so, Lord, give us that today. Give us what we need today, Lord, from Jesus. And help us to follow you and trust that the cost is worth it. Give us that vision, Lord, and help us to hold on to it, even on the hardest of days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Sharon. Let's stand and sing this song in response together. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me shakes.
Amen. Let's give it up for Pastor Sharon for blessing us through Scripture today. Let's have our prayer team come to my right. As I heard Sharon preach today and as I looked at this powerful passage of Scripture in John 15, really I want to leave you with two words of encouragement that I really sensed God speaking as that word was proclaimed. Number one, here, I want to remind you that that, that pruning is never permanent. That some of you feel, maybe feel like you've let things go or God has allowed things to be cut from your life. And you look at your life right now and think, is it always going to look like this? And I want to encourage you today. Maybe some of you, you've been in a season of pruning. That you're not seeing the kind of fruit from your life. You're not seeing the kind of joy, the kind of life. But in Christ Jesus, pruning is it's a part of the process, but it's not the end. It's, it's renewal that's the process. That's the end. The renewal, that's what God has for us. And, and the renewal comes as we remain, remaining in Him. When we gather together and worship, we're remaining. When we open up Scripture, we're remaining. When we come up to receive prayer, we are remaining. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to today. Let's put that, I want to put that, that bare root tree, whatever we call that, where, where Sharon's neighbors were laughing at her. Uh, you know, for some of us, you look at your life and you say, that's what my life looks like right now. Came to church today and you're going, I see nothing emerging. I don't see any fruit. I don't see any beauty. I don't see any power. I don't see anything. And yet, when we gather together on Sunday, one of the things we are reminded of is that the kind of transformation we long for is not going to happen overnight. Which is why we need the body of Christ to help us to remain. In a world that's very transient, in a world that, that's really about changing very quickly, and I want rapid kind of transformation that's not what Christ offers to us it's the slow and steady and deep and profound kind of transformation so even though your life might seem like this right now stick with Jesus transformation's coming fruitfulness is coming beauty is coming and it might not feel like that today but hold on to him Maybe you came into church today, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're longing for this kind of life. We want to invite you to come forward, maybe to have a conversation with one of our prayer team members or to receive prayer. You can also text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and help you take your next step in the spiritual life. Or maybe you came into the, to church today and you're thinking, I just need someone to pray for me. Life has been very difficult, and I just need a word of encouragement. I need someone to remind me that God is near. And so for whatever need you have, feel free to come up for prayer. If you're watching online, we have a sermon discussion time at the end of this service. And so if you want to engage in conversation for about 30 minutes with one of our pastors, feel free to click on the link uh, that's uh, on the site there, whether on Facebook, or YouTube, or New Life NYC. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And just a reminder that feel free to gather in the showroom for coffee, tea, and just to uh, connect with others uh, who are part of our community. With your hands in your hearts, 
in a posture of receiving. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, remaining in Jesus. When everything around you wants to leave, when everything inside of you wants to bail, may you remain in him. And may he sustain you and produce in you his life. May you flourish this week. May there be wonderful fruitfulness that emerges in your life. But may you remain in him. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.